0: Here are your hosts, Chase Palm And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCrady. I deserve to be on TV.
3: That was Ryan Brown earlier this week on uh, MPW Digital. Thanks for his time. Uh, it's zero to zero Bears and uh, Commanders. The Bears drove to the uh, Washington. Uh-oh, we might have a, might have a play here. Bears back inside the Washington 10-yard line to the 7. Earlier they got to the uh, 5. Justin Fields threw an interception on a deflected ball. So uh, no score there, but the Bears threatening again. It's halftime in Baylor and uh, West Virginia and Morgantown. Baylor leads 17-10, to 10, at least the last I saw on that. So speaking of uh, the college football weekend ahead, the NFL weekend ahead, uh, our weekly visit with Ben Mintz. I talked to him earlier, uh, I guess I talked to him on Wednesday afternoon. So uh, here's Ben Mintz of Barstool Sports on the Rafters Music of Food Hotline. Ben Mintz, Barstool Sports, joins us uh, from New York. Uh, Benjamin, how are you?
4: I'm doing good. You know, uh, just another week in uh, New York and man, it's hard not to be excited uh, as an Ole Miss fan after that second half explosion against Vandy and you know, looking forward to this Auburn game. I know another eleven a.m. kick. People may not be the most thrilled about that, but uh, you know, another big football weekend coming in, and then it really gets going. Uh, you know, I'm I'm glad I don't play for Ole Miss, so I can say I'm excited about LSU next weekend. And I guess it's not like me saying that for the team. You know, I think it's it safe to part say it it. next weekend.
3: I think you can say it. It's okay. Um yeah. I think that's more than all right. All right, we'll start with Ole Miss because you will be in Baton Rouge next weekend, but they got to get through Auburn first. Ole Miss is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite right now as we record this uh, against Auburn. Auburn, pretty fortunate to have an SEC win. Missouri sort of gave that game away. Um, Auburn has, has lost to LSU in a game that they could have won, but got let it get away, and then they got blown out late against Georgia. I know you probably think Ole Miss is going to win. I think Ole Miss is going to win. But what do you think about this number, 14-and-a-half?
4: I love Ole Miss on Saturday. I think this one could get bloody because they're catching Auburn in a really, really good spot. You know, so much of like the week-to-week gambling is how the game set up. And Auburn blowing the 17-0 lead against LSU two weeks ago. And then they had to go to Georgia and just get physically manhandled. And now they got a second straight tough road game coming out of those two. Their quarterback situation's a mess. They're horrible on offense. Uh, I, I really like Ole Miss on Saturday. And, you know, on the Ole Miss side of it, look, I didn't read too much into that first half of Vandy. That was, you know, that was a trap situation. It said everything about that team scoring that touchdown before the half. I knew was the big thing. I actually tweeted this out. I jumped on Ole Miss really big in the second half last week because when Ole Miss scored to cut it to 2017 before half and took that momentum in the locker room, I was like, oh, they're about to just come out and beat the crap out of this team. And I think that first half was like the lazy part of it. I think, You know, they're going to be ready. Auburn's still a huge – I mean, God bless. You know how the Auburn-Ole Miss games are through the year. You're still Mm -hmm. playing a team with an A on that helmet that matters, you know, even if they're struggling. So, I think Ole Miss is going to come out, and I don't think Auburn can score with them at all. Auburn's only chance in this football game is if Jackson Dart turns the ball over a couple times. That's literally, I think, the only way they can compete. I I actually think Ole Miss is going to – I mean, I think this one's going to get – has a chance to get kind of bloody.
3: A lot of people are saying that it's just so difficult for me to imagine as someone who covered both teams and I've been, I've covered so many Auburn Ole Miss games. It's just, Hard to look at Ole Miss minus 14 and a half and go, Oh, yeah, I see that. It's just, it just it looks odd. And people just, have to I,
4: I feel like, you know, last year Ole Miss lost at Auburn. And, you know, at Auburn, I still think they fight at home and they play hard on defense, but they're just so bad on offense. It's just tough for them to do anything on the road. And I just think they're after what happened against LSU and Georgia, you're catching them when they're just really, really demoralized. And so I don't know, you know, mentally all the stuff going on with Brian Harsin and they don't have an AD and all the problems they got. I, I just feel like they're, they think things are about to get really, really bad for them.
3: A bunch of interesting 11 o'clock games. Uh, Penn State plus seven at Michigan. we got Kansas plus nine at Oklahoma. The Sooners are really reeling. Either one of those do anything for you?
4: So the Kansas-Oklahoma is fascinating. So Kansas quarterback Daniels is out. This game and maybe out for the year, and so that's the reason this line's nine. The backup Jason Bean came in and played pretty well in the second half against TCU, gave him a chance. They, you know, still called aggressive plays on offense, uh, but I think that that's the big reason this is nine. God, this is just such a weird one, man. Because you know how can you not want to take Kansas, but they still got a backup quarterback. Oklahoma's been horrible. But it's just – that one's just a really weird one to read with what's happened to Oklahoma in the last three weeks. Like, how can they be laying nine against a team that's lost one game when they've lost three weeks in a row by a million? Um, so, that's just an odd one. The Michigan-Penn State, my instincts would say, like, for Michigan to be a full seven there, feels like Vegas likes Michigan. Yeah. Penn State's played pretty good this year. I mean, they've already got road wins at Purdue and at Auburn – uh, Michigan, you know, last week was a little bit of a sleepwalk. They had a similar effort to Ole Miss and Vandy in the first half in Indiana. That was a little bit of a look-ahead trap game, whatever, uh, for them. But I'm probably going to pass, but just my instincts say Michigan just because the line feels like it's a little too high. Like, I thought it would be four and a half or five.
3: This line's interesting to me. Minnesota minus six and a half at Illinois. Illinois, they're, they're pretty good defensively. They can keep a number low.
4: The only reason the six and a half Illinois has got their starting quarterbacks out and uh, DeVito's out in this backup. I've We've got Chicago people in the office and they say this backup is just completely atrocious. And so, so
3: maybe this is the line we take. Minnesota. Yeah. And so it's kind
4: of one of those things where it's like you would like Illinois on the surface. But what I'm hearing about this backup quarterback has me concerned. And so I, I think I'm going to I'm not going to bet Minnesota. I'm just going to stay away here. Maybe look at the under, though. Could be less okay. going.
3: Let's get into the 230 games. There's some really interesting ones. Of course, Alabama at Tennessee. The tie to seven-and-a-half point favorite in Knoxville. The whole world is in Knoxville. Everybody's in on the Vols here. Is everybody leaving disappointed?
4: Yeah, they are. Uh, I love Alabama in this game. Um, I believe I'm, one of the biggest things, and y'all hear me preach this on here, you are never as good or as bad as last week in gambling. And Everybody saw Tennessee murder LSU in Baton Rouge, and everybody saw Bama struggle against A&M. But here's a little secret. If Bryce Young's healthy, they win that game by four touchdowns. The only reason a and was in it was all the turnovers, literally. Like, if Bryce Young had played a good game, that was not a close game. Bama still ran for 300 yards. They just had four turnovers that kept a and in the game. And so that's a really deceiving – and so everybody saw Tennessee smack LSU and Bama struggle with a and and this line came out over seven. Neil. of public bets are on Tennessee in this game. I know. These people are out of their minds. This is like – I don't know. I'm going to be on – especially – I feel like Bryce Young is going to play because that line being over seven. And to me, Vegas, putting that line over seven, seeing this flood of Tennessee public money – you never want to die on the hill of the public home underdog. Like, I always preach the home dog thing. Y'all see me taking on here. But I'm always taking ones that look ratty and tough, you know. I'm not taking ones that everybody see sees. And this, I'm telling you, I smell a rat here. I, I smell a Bama. Big statement, two, three touchdown win. Maybe they jump out early. But uh, as long – unless something comes out, the Bryce Young's out, I'm firing the tide pretty big on Saturday.
3: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you 100%. Uh, NC State and Syracuse, a big ACC game. NC State getting three and a half uh, at the uh, what they used to call the Carrier Dome.
4: This is another one with the quarterback thing. Devin Leary's out for NC State, and he's their big leader. The backup looked miserable last week, even though they squeaked it out against Florida State. because Mike Norvell? I don't know what the hell he was doing, allowing his quarterback to turn it over when they were in field goal range to have a chance to win the game at the end. So this is actually a spot where if you didn't follow the quarterback thing, you'd be like, oh, NC State get points to Syracuse. But, man, the drop-off from Leary to the backup is really big. Syracuse has a pretty good defense. So, you know, I, I would lean Syracuse here if anyone could be lower scoring, too, because NC State's defense will keep them in. It.
3: Oklahoma State, TCU, this is a sneaky good Big 12 game. It should be a, a really big national game, but all eyes are on Knoxville. Oklahoma State. Getting three and a half, they don't lose very often. They go into Fort Worth as a dog. What do you think?
4: Yeah, man, this is this is going to be. I, I feel like a shootout coming. TCU's offense. I mean, obviously, another huge win at Kansas last week. What people aren't talking enough about Sonny Dykes is done replacing Gary Patterson because Patterson's a living legend to come in year one and do as well as he has. I mean, you don't see that too too often. Uh, Oklahoma State. God, this, Like I said, I, I'm not going to touch this game. The over is really high. I, I just feel like this is going to be one of those big 12 shootouts that's down to the wire. Yeah, so the over
3: try. is 68 and a half.
4: I, I, that may not even be enough. I mean, another thing, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech's defense offense had like 100 plays or something last week. So, I don't know. I just think this game is going to get really, really wild, and I like both quarterbacks. So, I just feel like it's a shootout, big 12 game, stay away. Uh, may may take over even at 68.
3: Lot of line movement on Arkansas BYU. This open BYU minus three, three and a half. It's shifted all the way to Arkansas minus one and a half. What do you make of that?
4: BYU's just not see I got I got that Notre Dame game pretty good. I got BYU last week. I've been waiting on that. BYU you know, they they pulled out that Baylor game and double OT, but they've had receivers hurt, and they're just not explosive on offense. They played two home games in a row where they look crappy against bad teams in Wyoming and Utah State. And right then I was like, okay, they're overrated. I got them last week against Notre Dame. This isn't the spot to go against BYU because they're one of those teams, man. They're tough. They're a lot tougher at home. I mean, they got blown out at Oregon, too. I had Oregon. Uh, this is a spot where – I mean I wouldn't take Arkansas laying the points on the road like BYU could win this game so I'm BYU or pass but I'm not quite sure I trust BYU right now either.
3: Don't want to spend a lot of time on it Georgia minus 38 and a half it's a huge number but Vanderbilt's defense is bad enough for Georgia to roll past it.
4: Yeah I don't I've got nothing on this I mean uh, you know Georgia let Auburn hang around for a while but I mean, Vandy's. They, 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 I got nothing. I mean, Georgia's going to smack them. I don't know if they covered 38 or not, but.
3: LSU plus three at Florida. The Rebels are going to see the Tigers next week in Baton Rouge. They got to go to the swamp first. Uh, getting three points. And I kind of like LSU here. Am I crazy? Yeah,
4: man, my thing is this is Billy Napier's Super Bowl at Florida after LSU passed on him. I just. And LSU's gotten the best of Florida the last few years. The throwing shoe game last year they beat Mullen. That was right when they announced O was out and Davis Price broke the school rushing record. I feel like Florida's due to win one, and I just think LSU passing on Napier and Napier getting Florida. I'm telling you, this is this is going to be the Super Bowl for him. This is already a big rivalry, and they play every year, but. Uh, I just can't even imagine how much this game means to Napier after all the ULL time. So I I don't know if I'm taking Florida minus three. I actually tell you something, I'm looking at this one over under 51, 51 and a half. I think points may be hard to come by here. LSU's on the line. Will Campbell, the left tackle looks like he's going to be back, but man, their offense just looks like a mess. I mean, you watch them. You know, Daniels is getting tons of heat on him. He doesn't really – they've got so much talent at receiver, but he doesn't progression pass. He looks at one guy and then he starts running. Yep. And and then on the Florida side, I mean, Anthony Richardson threw for 66 yards last week in that Missouri game. Is this even real? So, I kind of think I might look at first half under and game under, and this one might be kind of like slugfesty 2017. But uh, my instinct, say Florida, is going to pull, pull this one out, I think.
3: Clemson heads to Tallahassee, big spot for Mike Norvell. People down there, even though they're they're doing okay, there's this Deion Sanders talk that keeps popping up a little bit. Clemson minus three and a half. The the Tigers keep winning. They don't look great, but they keep winning. What do you think?
4: Another under game here. I went under on that Clemson BC and hit it. I think Florida State Clemson is going to be super super physical. I knew DJ Uangalelay is playing better, but they're still not you know an elite Clemson offense. This is like a Super Bowl for Florida State. Both these schools hate each other, so I- I'm going to bank on both defenses playing really hard, That's being lower scoring. Uh, I-, I I don't trust Clemson laying at three-and-a-half, though, so I'd be-, I'd be Florida State or nothing, but I think I'm just going to play the under.
3: Mississippi State and Kentucky, this line opened at seven. It's down to four-and-a-half. Is that because people are starting to think that Will Levis might give it a go?
4: Yes, I think it is. if Levis is going, I'm looking at Kentucky here. Um, I, I do feel like state, everybody's talking about them and I get it. They've played great the last two weeks, but they've beaten two crappy teams too. And they look, they've looked great. I don't they've scored 82 points. I get it, you know. But AM and Arkansas are both struggling a lot and they beat them at home. I feel like if Levis plays, this thing is a dog fight. They could go either way, three-point game. It's a bounce-back spot for Kentucky. Obviously, that was a horrendous loss last week. There's no getting around it. But if Levis goes, I'm taking Kentucky in the points. Enough. I'm in here with Brandon Walker at work. He's terrified about this game. He really doesn't feel good about it. So, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that, too. But I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like I'm, 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 if, if Levis is going, I'm taking Kentucky here.
3: Huge Pac-12 game, USC and Utah. It's a primetime game. Uh, USC getting three and a half in Salt Lake City. And the Trojans have looked really good of late.
4: See, I love you. This is this is a game that I love Utah here. This okay. one sets up. I hope I can get it at three because I do think it could be close. But this sets up perfect. You know, we had UCLA last week against Utah. Utah has now lost at UCLA and Florida. Completely different team at home. Great home field advantage. I also think – I mean, USC has – the defense has played a little better than people realize, but they should have lost that Oregon State game on the road. They got away with one there. I just I've, – I've thought, like, all year USC was in trouble in this game. And the fact that Utah lost to UCLA throws people off the scent of it with Utah already having two losses. Uh, I, like, I like Utah here pretty good bet. This is one of the games I have a strong opinion on.
3: Any other college plays you like that we didn't touch?
4: The, the, the Utah and the Bama ones, and I do like Ole Miss were the three. Uh, like I said, the LSU-Florida, I, I, I just – I could see a world where LSU loses here and then they fight Ole Miss. Like, you know, obviously Ole Miss-LSU is always going to be tough down there. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're good or not. Um, but, yeah, that's mainly what I got on college. And then I've got okay. some NFL thoughts as well.
3: All right, here we go. Let's get into the NFL. Uh people are, as they watch this, it'll be too late to bet it. Uh, Washington and uh, is at Chicago for the Thursday night game. Commanders uh getting a point against the Bears. Hey, it's football. We, it's, we, it's hey,
4: it's football, but the Bears actually win these kind of crappy games at home. You know, they've won a couple of them. They beat the Niners in the rain, they beat Houston in an ugly one. I think the Bears We'll do enough to win an ugly game here. I think the ship is really, really falling in Washington. And I know Chicago's bad too, but at least they're in a rebuild. They're not, you know, Washington, things are just very, very bad. So I actually like the Bears in this game at home near Pickham. You know, I think it's going to be an uglier game. They're going to run David Montgomery and Herbert a lot, and hopefully Fields doesn't turn it over. But uh, I'm on the Bears. The over-under is 38. It's just – 38. Yeah, it's uh, – you know, it's like everybody's going to want to bet under, but it's just so low. Um, And Wentz and Fields both to turn the ball over and screw you on that. So, I'm going to just take the Bears here.
3: All right, let's get into the Sunday noon games, full slate of Sunday noon games in the National Football League. <sighs> Tampa Bay laying eight at Pittsburgh. The Steelers uh, have turned to Kenny Pickett. Uh, predictably, they got mauled at Buffalo last week. Now they take the sh- home shot against uh, Tampa Bay.
4: I love under 43-and-a-half here. It's one of my favorite unders of the whole year. I think the over-under should be like 37 in this game. I mean, you look at, like, Tampa, they did score some points. The KC game got wild two weeks ago. But you look at the rest of these Tampa efforts, 20, you know, 21-15 over Atlanta, the field goal, all the field goals they had in Dallas, the 2010 game in New Orleans where they had a pick-six, Pittsburgh, they suck on offense. Matt Cannon is an awful OC. They can't block anybody, but they will play hard on defense because the Steeler thing. They're going to fight at home against Brady. And I mean, I think Tampa wins this game like 17 to 10 or 17 13. Oh. I'm, I'm actually, this is a spot where sometimes you can do some stuff where you move the, the over unders to get better odds. I'm going to probably take under 35 and a half at over two to one in this game. I think this thing's going to be. I just I, – like I said, 17-13 Tampa, something like that. I think it seems to be real ugly.
3: Okay. Uh, the Ravens coming off a uh, big Sunday night win over Cincinnati that pissed me off. Uh, the Ravens play uh, at New York against the Giants. The Giants won in London. They're – what are they, four and one? I mean, unreal.
4: They, yeah. yeah, I got Brian Dable, man. What a coaching job. What a difference a coach makes. What's interesting about this game, over under 45 – Wink Martindale, the Giants defensive coordinator, was the Ravens DC, the last few years. And so he knows about a lot about Lamar, you know. And so you got to think, you know, that's something and it comes up in college too. But in the NFL, man, that intertwined coaching stuff, when you're coaching against old teams and you know tendencies and stuff, man, you can't ignore that stuff. I mean, it matters. And so I feel like because of that, I'd be kind of surprised if Lamar goes off on them just because of that. And so I'm kind of giants or nothing here. I know. know. Yeah, and I'm going to look at the under, I think. The only thing is Daniel Jones could – the Ravens defense might cause some turnovers. But uh, I I would lean giants if anything. I'm going to look at the under just off the fact. I think the giants will have some kind of game plan for Lamar here just because they know so much about him.
3: New York's other team, the Jets, they head to Lambeau. They get seven with Green Bay.
4: Yeah, so the thing is with this, I I I was on the Giants in London. I can't lay a lot of points at Green Bay right now because I don't like their – like, modern football, I know they have Aaron Rodgers, and they're just like, whatever, we can have whoever receiver. But, man, the wide receiver position in modern pro football means so much because the rule changes – And them not having any explosive playmakers, it's just hard to lay over seven points with them right now. And I know it's a bounce-back spot from what happened in London. And the Jets are 3-2, and and the Johnny come lately and all that. But, you know, you saw it against New England two weeks ago. You saw it against the Giants. Right now, it's just I can't lay over a touchdown with what I'm seeing out of Green Bay. Just – until Rodgers gets better chemistry with these receivers, they got shut out in the second half last week, and so yeah. I don't know if I trust. This is like a letdown spot for the Jets. Like right when you're talking yourself into them, and they're three and two. So this, I'm probably going to sit back and watch this one. Maybe the under. Maybe the. Under.
3: San Fran playing pretty good. They go to uh, Atlanta, and the Falcons have been sort of uh, plucky. I think is the word that's coming to mind. San Francisco laying five and a half in Atlanta.
4: Atlanta. Not that bad. 5 and 0 against the spread. They're the best. They're the, like, we do the not that bad power rankings every Monday. And they're number one. They fight every week. I actually like Atlanta and the points here. I could see the Niners winning by three, but San Fran got beat up in that Carolina game. They lost yeah. Bosa. They lost Emmanuel Mosley, one of their top corners, to torn ACL. Uh, they got some injuries. It's their second straight road game. Look, Kyle Shanahan, I know he used to coach for Atlanta and all that, but. I just think this game, five-and-a-half is a lot on the road in pro football. I know the Niners are a lot better team, but Atlanta's shown they're going to fight. They're going to fight hard, and uh, I'm going to be taking home dog here.
3: Minnesota heads to uh, Miami. The Vikings playing pretty good football, but now they've not been the same team on the road that they've been at home. They they go to Miami. They'll lay three-and-a-half against the Dolphins.
4: Watching the quarterback situation close. I know Tua's not going to play, but they think Teddy Bridgewater. If Teddy Bridgewater goes, he's playing his old team. Well, I guess Teddy has so many old teams now. But you know, he started for the Vikings though. Uh, If Teddy Bridgewater goes, I'm betting Miami here pretty big. Uh, If he doesn't go though, and that Scholar Thompson, the seventh round pick out of K State, goes, I'm, I'm I'm off it. But the thing is, the Dolphins, the big gambling trend I love falling. They lost on the road last week as a road favorite, and now they're a home underdog. And they have a great home field advantage in Miami in the heat. You know, we've seen it. They already beat Buffalo. They already beat New England. And Teddy, obviously everything went to crap when he got hurt last week. But he's a guy that, you know, he's not going to lose the game for you. And, I don't know, I like, like I said, if Bridgewater starts, I'm on Miami pretty big here.
3: Okay. All right, uh, one that I know we'll both be interested in, the Bengals head to New Orleans. It's uh, Joe Burrow's return, Jamar Chase's return to uh, to New Orleans. They uh, play the Saints. The Saints are a two-point home dog against a Bengals team that is two and three, could easily be better than that, but they're not. They're two and three, and this becomes a must-win game for Cincinnati.
4: Yeah, it's kind of on both. And, hey, you're forgetting the Andy Dalton against Cincinnati, too. Uh-huh everybody's lost on the Burrow at Chase story by in Dola, but I think Dalton will go again, man. I don't know what's going on with Winston, but I, you know, Vegas, the power ranking now on the Saints, it's the same whether Dalton or Winston plays judging by the lines. Um, the thing with the Saints to watch though, need Lave out there because I just were at a point where I'm counting on nothing from Michael Thomas ever again. He's got a toe injury. He's been a malcontent. I just feel like, just if you're a Saints fan, just assume you're going to get nothing, and anything positive is more than you can expect. But need Alave and Landry back in there because all three of those guys are out. I mean, you saw it last week. Taysom Hill and Camara show is all they got. Uh, man, this is a spot I want to ask you about this. You're a Bengals fan. Yeah. I'm the exact Taylor's play calling. Calling it atrocious is giving it too much credit. The play call with the talent they've got on offense, how vanilla they are, they run every first down. I just, I feel like their offense with everything they got is underachieving at, I I know they played well against Miami on Thursday night, but other than that, I I just. Have
3: have you heard of masterclass? Yeah. Zach Taylor should start a business and (laughs) instead of calling it masterclass, he should call it disaster class. Their play calling, especially in the red zone. It's just. Is so abysmal that frankly his job should be on the line. And
4: it's. We sound like you know we sound like idiot pundits saying it because he just made the oh, Super Bowl, but so we're not because they made the, Super the Reason the Bengals are good is their defense is awesome.
3: Their defense, their defense, defense is so play underrated, and all
4: the veterans they got with Hendrickson and Hubbard and that Logan Wilson linebacker, and you know that the secondary. I mean, they've got you know Von Bell. They got a bunch of guys back there. Their defense is incredibly underrated, and their offense is underachieving at a large level. And so that makes me feel like the over under is forty three. It's it's hard to bet unders in these dome games on the turf. You know, obviously, you saw the last two weeks the Saints played high scoring games in a row. But I mean, I feel like we may be looking at another twenty seventeen game that goes either way here. It's kind of what I think.
3: A game I'm really interested in: uh, New England uh, heads to Cleveland. The Patriots getting two and a half. It's kind of just kind of an interesting game. What do you think about it?
4: I am starred. I'm so mad at Cleveland last week about not winning that game. I mean, I was big on them last week against the Chargers, and that—I mean—I'm still shaking my head about it. And we're taping this like four days later. Uh, that went. The Cleveland's two and three and could be five and zero. Oh. Sure, it's just so unbelievably frustrating. I mean, I think—I don't know what the hell I think at this point. I think New England's probably sucker side. You know, they're starting. It looks like I hadn't heard of it, Zappy or Mac Jones yet. But, you know, New- I was on them last week against the Lions. I thought that was a good spot at home. But you still got a rookie too. quarterback starting on the road here. Cleveland's got a great running game. I mean, their running game's not good. It's, like, the best in the NFL. Nick Chubb's averaging a million yards a carry right now. So, I mean, I'm Cleveland or nothing, but I'm, like, kind of having, like, buyers remorse on, like, hitting submit on Cleveland right now after what they did to me last week.
3: Got a uh, AFC uh, South game here, Jacksonville and in Indianapolis. It's uh, in Indy. The uh, the Jags, a two point road dog, taught me out of it. I, I'm 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 so enamored with the Jaguars for some reason, and yet when you go to Indianapolis, it's a it's a, it's a tough place to go get wins.
4: Well, so you you know Jacksonville already shut them out twenty four nothing in week two, and everyone knows Indy's lost like eight in a row down in Jacksonville, but the games have gone differently. At Indy, Jacksonville, man, that was a, and I know this is what a young team does, but that was a, that was a rough effort at home against Houston last week, to say the yeah. least. I mean, they scored six points. Um, insti- instincts wise, I don't know why I'm kind of liking the Colts a little bit here, but I'm probably gonna stay away. I know it makes no sense at all, but like the over in this game after they just played a twenty-four nothing game, but. You know, Jacksonville has played so bad on offense last week. Indy won 12-9 on Thursday night. Like, how can you bet the over here? That's why I almost like it, if that makes sense. How do you do it? They scored combined 40 points. But this game's indoors on turf, and so I feel like that means more points could be scored. Um, Indy's got to get Jonathan Taylor – or get the running game going. We'll see. He missed last week. They obviously missed him pretty bad. Uh, this seems like a game. If he's healthy, they got to they gotta ride him, get him going. I can't believe I'm saying this on here. Everybody makes fun of me, but I, I, I think I'm going to take the over. I don't know how. <laughs> All
3: right, the 305 games, there's, there's one great one. We'll get to the others. The, there's two just woof games competing against it, which the NFL probably goes, that's fine. Carolina is at the Rams. The Panthers firing a coach. The Rams look like just just warmed over garbage. The Rams laying 10 and a half points against Carolina. Here's my question: is, is the number way too big?
4: I can't lay 10 with what's going on with this Rams offense. And then a lot of times I know Carolina just fired Matt Rule, but you there's always like a little interim bump the first week or two because all the player, you know, the players get a guy in there they like more kind of thing. So Carolina could fight, and this could be ugly and low scoring, which makes me not want to touch the 10 and a half. I mean, I know it's obvious, but I'm probably going to take the under here. Just as long as Carolina's rolling PJ Walker out there, Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Matt Corral are all hurt. I mean, it's, I mean, that's pretty tough. Uh, I can't lay 10.5. I'm, you know, the under is a pretty obvious side here, but I I think I'm going to take it. The Rams defense is still good.
3: Arizona's at Seattle. The uh, Kyler Murray and the guys, they're they're better on the road than they are at home. They go to Seattle, they lay 2.5 against the Seahawks.
4: Man, the Seattle over party is out of control right now. I mean, we 38, you know, they, well, that, that shootout in Detroit, that a shootout in New Orleans. This Geno Smith thing is just nuts. I mean, not just is he good. Like, you watching the ball comes out at the right. So much of that Russell Wilson Seattle offense through the years and him drop back, he yeah. doesn't get the ball out, he just runs around, and, you know, now you're seeing it. Geno, the ball's coming out. He's leading the NFL in completion percentage. DK and, and – you know, Tyler Lockett are great weapons. Uh, Arizona is better on the road, so I don't want to go against them. I'm just, I'm going to keep banging these Seattle overs, man. It's 51 and a half. As long as it's not, you know, with Seattle, you always got to check to see if it's raining or not. So as long as it's not raining, I'm firing over here.
3: All right. The uh, two, there's two big games, one on uh, Sunday afternoon, one Sunday night. We'll start with the one at 325. It's Buffalo at Kansas City, a rebatch of one of the greatest playoff games ever played last year in the AFC divisional round, Buffalo, a two and a half point favorite at Arrowhead against the chiefs.
4: This it, I always preach this two and a half road line is just so ratty. And so I can't take the bills because of it, but my instincts think this should be, you know, they played on Sunday night football last year at almost the exact same time. And I think the line was like pick it or one and Buffalo beat the crap out of them. And, You know, the Chiefs beat them in the AFC title game two years ago. The Bills got revenge in their early regular season game. Then we saw the playoff game. I mean, Buffalo's looking – I mean, this game's got to be so, so personal. And I think it's going to mean more to Buffalo than KC. It sets up similar to how the game set up last year when Buffalo just hammered them. You know, KC won. I mean, great comeback Monday night, not to take anything away from them. But – But you lose uh,
3: a day of prep in that too, you know. Yeah, you I, I
4: just feel like this game means more. I mean, I'm not saying – of course it means something to Mahomes and Andy Reid. I'm not saying it doesn't. But this is like big statement, Buffalo game. And we saw what they did last year in the spot. So – I can't go against my home, so I'll probably stay away, but uh, I, I wouldn't take KC here.
3: The Sunday night game also a intriguing as hell. I mean, if you want intrigue, by God, turn your TV on at 325 and just leave it on. Dallas at Philadelphia, the Cowboys winning without Dak Prescott. The Eagles playing really good football. The Eagles laying six-and-a-half points against that Dallas defense.
4: Man, I, I'm probably taking Dallas in points here just because of how good they're playing on defense. A division matchup makes me like the underdog. Might take under 42, but I just think this is going to be a close game. This Dallas defense right now, I mean, Michael Parsons is flying off the edge like he's Lawrence Taylor. I mean, it's just out of control. I mean, he's just phenomenal. And, you know, I think Cooper Rush is going to go again, it looks like. And he just won't screw it up, man. I know he only threw for like 101 yards last week. He didn't have to do a lot. Um, Dallas needs to use Tony Pollard a lot more. That dude just makes so many – every time he's in there, he's making huge plays. I don't know what the hell they're doing, not using it more. Um, But I like Dallas in points. That's a lot of points. You know, pro football, rivalry game. Dallas' defense, I think, will fight hard to keep him in it. So, I'm I'm, I'm leaning Dallas here.
3: All right, we have no right to complain about a Monday night game after we get the Sunday afternoon and the Sunday night, so I won't. But it's football, and it's an AFC West division uh, rivalry game. Just not particularly intriguing. I either.
4: mean, how many times are we going to put Denver in prime time here? What is this? The fifth time in six weeks we got to watch Russ on Thursday Everybody's or something? Everybody's
3: in love with Russell Wilson. And it's like, I want to scream. He's not that good. Maybe we're. No, and
4: that's that the Geno thing. Like I was saying, I mean, how hard is Pete Carroll laughing? Who knew that Russell Wilson leaving Seattle, the upgrade from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith is just. I mean, that's one of the – it's like the, the most underrated story of the season to me is like how well Gino's playing and how bad Russ is. They knew. This is one of those spots, though, I mean, the Chargers just – they just play close games, like, no matter who they play all the time. And this is a dang division game. I don't know. It's so hard to take Denver with how they look. But yeah. I just – I can't lay five. I can't lay five and a half. Chargers got a lot of injuries right now, too. Yeah. I know they they got me the last two weeks. you should have lost that Cleveland game, though. I'm still – Whatever on that, but I feel like the Chargers might be like a little sucker side here. Like everybody's going to be on them because of how bad Denver's been looking. And I mean, God, how do you bet on Russell Wilson here? But I think I might take Denver the points and just, you know, the, the old like you're like hitting the Smith button and you know, you're like wincing as you do it. But that may be what's coming here.
3: I kind of like the Chargers minus fives. We'll, we'll see whether I mean, they're gonna... a lot better
4: though. I mean, the, yeah. the Denver thing, I mean, they're, they're hard. They're, I just, and that nathaniel hackett's a joke as a head coach too he doesn't know what the hell he's doing
3: so you're hanging in new york uh this week yeah. you're, you're heading down next week for uh for for uh, old miss lsu among other things right
4: yeah so i actually got hit with uh this is gonna be pretty funny but i gotta go we're doing like a gambling tournament in blackhawk colorado next weekend so i'm gonna be like around baton rouge for the college football show and i'm going to the first half and I am literally have a flight, like, right as the game ends. So I'm going to get to see the first one. <laughs> it's pretty funny, like, company manning it up, you know. But I've been to 20 of the last 23 Old Miss LSU games. So I got to keep that streak going. You know, I always go. That's my world's clod. Um, but that, so I'm here this week and then doing that next week. And, yeah, everything's good, you know. I'm just uh, – just another – the Barstool thing still as crazy as hell as ever. But a uh, big shout-out to Lane Kipman and Ole Miss Athletic Department and just – I mean, this is, I wrote a blog that's going to be up by the time this is out. Greatest time to ever be an Ole Miss fan. I mean, baseball national title Lane given 16 and two in his last 18. This like doesn't seem like reality. And I hope everybody's enjoying it as much as I am.
3: Yeah. I, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, you guys need to make sure that you understand that you might be living the good old days. So, oh, yeah.
4: this 100%. The national title, just this lane thing is so out of control. It just, the way he's evolved, like, they played checkers and everybody's played chess during the NIL thing, the transfer and SIP and getting all these great transfers that are immediate starters. And I mean, it's just been the way he has like played the game of the new world. He's just been like years ahead of everyone. And, you know, to do it at Ole Miss where you have resources, they're nothing compared to Bama or LSU, You know, it's just, it, can't say enough about Lane. Uh, Chris Partridge, huge part of it, done a great job as a defensive coordinator, but he's Lane's right-hand guy with all the NIL stuff. I uh, like what the Grove Collective's doing now, too, you know, kind of building that and trying to help out. I'd like to support that.
3: Benjamin, have a great weekend there in New York. We'll see you soon. Sounds
4: good. We'll see you in Baton Rouge next week.
3: That was Ben Mintz, Barstool Sports. Thanks for his time. We'll open up the phone lines here momentarily. It's 0-0. Uh, zero to zero. If it was possible, to have a like negative six to negative six game, we would have that in Chicago right now. The Commanders and the Bears, 146 to go in the second quarter. Uh, no score. The officials trying to give the Commanders an opportunity to score some points by throwing flags. As bad a quarterback game as you'll ever see, I think Carson Wentz has an injured hand. Justin Fields just has an injure. injured everything. Meanwhile, uh, West Virginia, Baylor, I think it's 24-24 is still the score. I've looked away from it for a minute. We make fun of uh, bad NFL games, and yet we watch them and talk about them, so the NFL's doing something right. I guess that's a hold. It's not a P.I., but it's a hold. Uh, Chicago and Washington, um, late second. So anyway, I'll uh, open up the phones. Thanks to Ryan Brown, to Ben Mintz. I'll put the number up here. Uh, I it's it's this is not a beer night. This is a this is a bourbon game. This is absolutely a bourbon game. This is, beer's not strong enough for this. Thank goodness we got that tour of the Bengal Stadium, and at least gave us something to joke about because this is this is awful. All right, there's the number. If anybody wants to call, you guys get to sort of determine how long this show goes from here. Um, end of the Thursday. A lot of content up on the site. Jeffrey Wright joined earlier today for the Oxford Exxon podcast. Had uh, Martin Palomo and I. Mind on My Money is uh, presented by Pinnacle. Uh, Tyler Siski and I rec- recorded McCready and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel, earlier today. Uh, Pete Deweese previewed Auburn at Ole Miss. Uh, that's Pete's pigskin preview presented by walk-ons sports bistro. That's up as well as is, uh, the butcher versus the spin instructor presented by LB's meat market. So tons of content up at MPW digital chase, not with me tonight because he's MCing the M club, I think hall of fame induction ceremony. I think that's what it was. Washington inside the Bears 20. They uh, could get a game-winning field goal here late in the second quarter if they just down the ball a couple times, kick a field goal. Three to nothing would almost certainly be an insurmountable lead against the uh, the Bears with only 30 minutes of football left. The Bears, the Bears would need weeks and weeks and weeks to score a touchdown the way they're playing tonight. Jerry Rice turned uh, 60 today, according to Mark. That does make me feel old. I saw Jerry Rice play a college football game. I was in high school, I think. I want to say I was in high school. can't remember what year that was. He played at Louisiana Tech. It was his last college game, Mississippi Valley, at Louisiana Tech. It was a Division I A first or second round playoff game. I can't remember which. Thirty-one twenty-four Baylor, five twenty-one to go in the third quarter. Uh, I'm someone asked what bourbon. It's a uh, barrel private release from uh, High Cotton. It's really good. I need something. I mean, you can't watch you can't watch a Bears game without something quasi-strong. That's just not not possible. 54 seconds to go second quarter in uh in Chicago the the com- the uh, commanders third and 6 this would be a play where you ask the kicker where would you like the ball set it up kick a kick a uh, a field goal yeah uh we did not moonshine we did not uh do a uh, live stream this morning i had a power issue here so chase just recorded we just did audio only Oh, wow. Commanders went for a uh, – went f- passed into the end zone, fell incomplete. It's awfully risky. So fourth and 6 they they're going to attempt a uh, field goal, 50 seconds left here in the second quarter. Uh, what, two to three wines would I recommend for a newbie? It just sort of depends on what you like uh, or what you think you might like. I would if, – if you're brand new to wine, uh, I, would, I would try uh, – I don't know. I, I would try a um, – I don't think you have to go super expensive either. I don't know that you ever really have to go expensive. Uh, oh, Washington kicks a field goal. That ought to do it. 46 seconds to go in the um, second quarter. The commanders have a 3 to nothing lead this game put on ice basically. There's just – that's it. That ought to do it. The commanders just need to punt. Don't turn it over the rest of the game, and they got it. If you have the under, yeah, you're feeling good. Uh, I would I would go in the uh, I don't know twelve to sixteen dollar range early. You're not going to be able to taste anything unless your palate is super sophisticated. I would go with a uh, a cabin, cabernet that that is um I don't know. Not sure what I would do honestly. Go with a uh, an unoaked chardonnay probably. I try a white wine. Or go with a Cabernet, maybe a Pinot Noir, and just kind of try a little. See what you like. And don't let, people, don't let people wine snob you. You like what you like. It's okay. Whatever you like is what you like. And go with that.
1: Hey, who do we have? Hello, Neil. Yes. This is Mike. I have a serious Auburn question. Okay. Based on listening to the podcast this week. Do their boosters actually think they're doing it the right way, or are they just more concerned with power than winning? Uh,
3: I think it's a little bit of both. I think that they, uh, they think they're doing it the right way, but they absolutely are concerned with power. They don't want to let it go. They want access. Um, they've always wanted access. They want the coaches to hobnob with them. They want the coach to come to the golf club with them. They want... Uh, they want to be able to come into the facility and meet with the coach and go tell their friends that they talked to the coach. Um, I don't know. And, and listen, before we make fun of Auburn, this is the way it is at most places. It's the way it was at Ole Miss prior to Lane Kiffin getting the job. It's the way it was at Alabama prior to uh, Nick Saban getting the job. Um, it will be interesting to see like what happens at Alabama when Nick Saban moves on. Uh, whenever that is, does it go back to the way it used to be, or do they do they try to do they realize this is the the path? It was the way it probably was at Georgia before Kirby Smart, Smart got the job. I, it's it's easy to make fun of Auburn on this, but it's kind of norm. But letting go of that, a lot of times you've got to hit absolute rock bottom, and people have to realize that this doesn't work. Let's try something different. And that's, that's hard for people to do because the kind of boosters that we're talking about, A, have a lot of money and B, it is their identity. And it's very difficult for them to let go of it.
1: Well, I I mean, a couple things. It sounds to me that if you follow the Saban Alabama model, like Georgia has, and we have, you're going to be successful.
3: If you get the right guy. Second. If, yeah, if, if you if you right, the right guy.
1: I both schools certainly got great coaches. The other thing, and I don't say this to the expense of anybody, but you know, it, the more turmoil in Auburn, the better it is for us. Sure. And I don't know how I don't know how much further down you've got to go than be a four and a half point underdog in Oxford, Mississippi.
3: Fourteen and a half. You know.
1: Fourteen and a half. I yeah. I I mean that, if you're an addict, you're out in the street right now. You've probably hit rock bottom.
3: Um, yeah, I mean, look, they, they should have lost to Missouri. They uh, they probably should have beaten LSU, so maybe that evens out. Uh, Georgia blew them out in the second half. They're a prohibitive underdog to Ole Miss. They get a weekend off. Uh, I'm trying to look at that. I don't even know the rest of their schedule. They still have to play Arkansas, Mississippi State, Alabama, somebody else. I mean, they're not going to be favored too many more times.
1: No, a, a great interview with Ryan, and I got the impression that he doesn't think Freeze is going to be a prime candidate at Auburn.
3: Well, it, it, there's two different schools of thought, We'll we'll find out who's right, and it might be so early in the process that they're both right at this point, and everybody's going mm-hmm. to point fingers at whoever ends up being wrong. But just because you end up being wrong doesn't mean you weren't right in early October. There's a school of thought over there that it's freeze. The, uh, I know J.G. Tate and, and his site thinks that. I know why they think that. Uh, they have pretty good reason to think that. And then there is a uh, school of thought over there that believes that the president will not sign off on, on, uh, on freeze, and that it's more likely going to be someone along the lines of Jeff Grimes, the Baylor assistant who once was an assistant at Auburn. Hard to say.
1: Well look, guys, keep up the great work. Love Thursday for us. We're partially retired guys. It's a great way to spend the day, guys. We appreciate you.
3: Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Bye-bye. And here's the thing about a place like uh, a place like Auburn is that you don't know hey guys, hang tight real quick. I've got to let a dog out. I'll be right back. I've got a dog wearing a cone on his head and he's having a breakdown. I'll be right back. We've had a, uh, a a canine week to remember here at the house, so forgive me there. Uh, phone lines are uh, open. I'll put that number back up. I'm by myself at the house. Carson is uh, playing. He's got a Tupelo soccer practice, so Laura's with him in Tupelo, and by myself, so kind of uh, managing. Kind of shuffling a lot of different uh, cards here, I guess is the word I would use. 662-259-8563. Like I said, I'll take you guys, take your calls as long as you want to call. 18 seconds left for uh, the Bears at their own 40. I think at this point, if you're the Bears, you're just trying to get out of the half down 3 nothing. I mean, you can't... Oh, Fields got hit. Oh, well, he's up, so... I don't even know who the Bears' backup is at this point. It's bad. <laughs> it's not Lane Kiffin to Auburn. Um, I'm, I'm assuming you're referring to Bo Bounds. It Lane Kiffin to Auburn makes no sense at all for either party. None. Just makes no sense. He's a bad fit. It would be a bad fit for Lane. It would be a uh, it would be a bad fit for Auburn. He's not he's not going to do all of the things that that uh, Auburn wants him to do. He's not going to be the brand at Auburn the way that Auburn uh, the way that Lane probably needs to be the brand at a place. If you look at the way that Lane has become the brand at Ole Miss, he's not going to do that at uh, he's not going to do that at uh, at Auburn. He was the brand at at Fau. And uh, he's the brand at Ole Miss. He's become – He's. I mean, he's completely redone the Ole Miss brand around him, around uh, being different, around uniforms, all of those things. It just – that's not going to happen at Auburn. It's not a knock on Auburn. It's not a knock on Ole Miss. It's just different programs are different ways. Different people things differently. Hey, who do we have?
5: Hey, this is Mark from Tipolo.
3: Hey, Mark, what's up?
5: Hey, uh, just uh, two things. First of all, I, I love the fact uh, watching your podcast, and it's so real. You're like, hey, i got to take my dog out. That's that's wonderful. And I hope that uh, as you continue getting bigger and better, please don't ever forget that uh, human touch. But the second thing is, um, you know, under uh, – and you correct me with my history – everybody's kind of worried about, well, we're going to have to lose one of these games that we shouldn't lose, all of my friends. I don't remember, and we have lost a ton of those, whether you go back to Memphis earlier, we could name several. I don't remember Hugh, uh, I'm sorry, Kiffin losing a game that we should absolutely have won. Am I missing one? Uh, and I'll hang up and let you know. But I'm just curious, it seems like that Kippen has won all of the games that we should have won. Uh, and as I look to the next two games, obviously I'm kind of worried about that. So love to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you. Y'all doing a great job.
3: Thanks, Mark. Um, even in the 2020 season, which I am inclined to just throw out for everyone, I'm completely willing to give everyone a pass who had a bad year and just almost kind of dismiss those who had a an uh kind of a crazy good year i mean the only The only game that you could even kind of point to as one of those would be uh Auburn at home, but even that i don't know that you could hold that against him that was and i can't remember who was out because of the virus or tested positive or whatever uh 2021 they lost at alabama no one's holding that against him they lost at auburn with a gimpy corral and the wide receiver core was just completely depleted not holding that against him certainly not holding the sugar bowl against him even if corral had been healthy and they had lost the game i wouldn't hold that against him. baylor was awfully good um and he hadn't lost yet yeah that's more than fair they've won every game they were supposed to win and they haven't had any terrible losses. Seventeen and three in their last twenty. Um Yeah, no, I he's he's been he's done a an absolutely remarkable job at Ole Miss. He he's I don't think anybody could have imagined I thought he would be a great fit. I thought he would do a great job here. I didn't think he could do this great of a job this quickly. I did think he'd be really good here. And Luckily, I wrote that twice, so I've, I feel like I can, I can, um, I feel like I can uh, vouch for that. So people have asked about my dog, Gus. Gus is um, almost eight. I guess he's seven and a half at this point. He uh, had a tumor that we discovered. Our our friends are back. I'll put them in timeout. He had a tumor on his, uh, inside of his left leg that, grew really fast which is probably a sign of obviously cancer and uh, we found it and took him in and they did all of his blood work to make sure it had not spread it hadn't and um, so I guess what was yesterday morning early he had uh, he had surgery to have the, the tumor removed and they got good margins on it and they've sent it off to Mississippi State to have it looked at And we're hoping for good news, and I think we'll get good news. Um, But he's got a lot of staples in that leg and uh, had to have another kind of growth removed that turned out to just be a fatty old old lab growth that got removed, but those required incisions as well. So he's got a cone on his head because, obviously, he's a dog. And if he doesn't have the cone on his head, he's going to mess with those sutures and staples and stuff so he's got to wear a cone for two weeks and he's got to be inactive and um, we have another lab that is younger who is pretty active and so it's a bit of a challenge but uh, we're working on it he he ate today for the first time since Sunday so um, that's a good sign so appreciate anybody who's sending good vibes Gus's way hopefully, hopefully Gus is going to be okay that's certainly what we hope Everybody's a little worried about him, but, but, um, looks like he looks like he's got a chance to be okay. They, they're, they're optimistic that they got it all and that we caught it early enough that it wasn't anything more than that. I guess it's the, uh, it's the risk you take, right? When you get a dog and you fall in love with the dog and the dog becomes a part of your family is that you know that the dog is not going to be with you forever. And so you have them for a short period of time and. You think you're going to have them for a certain period of time, and then you f- take that for granted. And then when the, something comes up that's much earlier than you thought, it's kind of scary. So there we are. That's your that's your Gus update for the night. Uh, let me put the phone lines back, oh, back up because it's still a fairly new number to people. Again, for people asking where Chase is, I've gotten a couple of those. He is emceeing the uh, M Club. Hall of Fame induction ceremony tonight. And so he's, uh, I'm flying solo tonight. Take this off here and put this back up. And he's supposed to be inactive, so in a minute I'm going to have to go back and let him in the house so that he gets out from, in from outside. Uh, Chauncey says, "Can you talk about why the Sun Belt is so good? Why so many SEC teams wouldn't win that conference? Are they P5? They're not P5. They're Group of Five. It's a really good league, and I'm convinced that the bottom of the SEC would not win the, the Sun Belt. There's a lot of good teams in that league. A lot of good young coaches in that league who are going to be Power Five head coaches, probably sooner rather than later. And um, they're they're going to be um, they get a lot of talent." Uh, in that league, they get a lot of transfers who transfer down from Power 5. They uh, are going to benefit from the uh, the transfer portal in that schools like Ole Miss, the guys who used to fill the end of Ole Miss' signing class, now won't, and those guys are going to fall to Power 5 schools. And some of those are going to be late-developing, late-bloomer guys who are going to end up being really good group of five players who probably will contribute at the group of five level early, and then they'll leave and, um, and they'll go to, um, up to power five. So just the changing landscape of, of college football. Baylor is about to relinquish the lead to West Virginia. It looks like that was a pick six or something. I just looked up. Uh, no, uh, Ben, uh, Gus was named after, um, the character in Harry Potter, my daughter, Campbell, who you guys now know as part of the Butcher versus the Spin Instructor show. At the time, she was really into the Harry Potter um, books, and so she named him after that. I'm not super familiar with Harry Potters, but that's what I'm told. <laughs> There's a threat. Oh, oh, PAT got blocked. I didn't see it. Okay. Morgantown games are always crazy. It's, it's never bet. Here's a rule of thumb with West Virginia. Never bet against them at home. If you don't want to bet on them, cool. Don't bet against them at home. And never bet on West Virginia on the road after one of their big home wins. They're, they are an absolute disparate team home and away, more so than almost anyone. Yeah, Michael reminds me, I need to go let the dog in. Hang tight one more second, then I'll be back, and I'll stay with you guys. Thanks for your patience. okay sorry <laughs> alright we're back uh, the phones are open 662 I haven't seen the UCF uniforms what channel is that ESPN I'll look real quick I knew, uh, I knew they were playing Temple is at uh, UCF And the score is uh oh geez, fifty six to thirteen UCF over Temple, thirty four seconds to go in the um, in the third. Is that, is that UC yeah, UCF's wearing oh space Oh, that's kinda cool. Totally different. What is space you? I'm not sure. Kind of different. If I could own a bar, what kind and where? College or beach? Um, I think I'd have a beach bar, and I think it would be a cocktail bar. It'd be like I'd want to do like high high end cocktails. That would be kind of fun. I think that's what I'd go for. A college bar would be kind of cool, except all the trouble with college kids and the and the IDing and the insurance and being concerned about. A college kid getting in under age and getting in you getting in trouble and being liable for it that would that would be tough. The school was founded by NASA. I did not know that. I realize this is not a compelling podcast. We'll put this up in podcast form. We'll put up uh, Ben and Ryan in a podcast on Friday morning, and uh, you can get some football content for the people who are driving up to Oxford on uh, Friday for old Miss Auburn. This will just be kind of what it is. The people who don't like calls and don't like listening to me ramble you won't have to we'll put it up as a separate nick says who wins more games josh allen on the bears or justin fields on the bills oh that's a good question allen it's a it's a quarterback league it's a quarterback league um allen's so significantly better than fields that i think he would at least be able to win a handful of games for the bears i don't think fields could win many games for the for the bills i think he would he would just bring them back Holden says, as someone who is a liability at college bars, I would not want a college bar. Yeah, that would be the thing. I love college towns. I grew up in a college town. Certainly wasn't as active as a college town as, as Oxford or where my kids go to school in Fayetteville, but I wouldn't want to be worried about that. that. That would be a constant concern is that somebody got in on a fake ID and something happened. And it'd be much, I'd be much more comfortable with an older crowd as a bar. Yeah, it's a boring night of football. There's no question about that, as uh, Doors Rules said. But we always say that we like football and we love it. And I think nights like this test that love, but it's still better than no football at all. You get a uh, Bears-Commanders game a week after that Broncos game. It does test test the theory that football is – Better than no football, but at the end of the day, I do think football's better than no football. Mark says uh, Ohio State media on Twitter tonight blaming the Bears organization and surrounding cast for fields issues. I think there's something to that, but i don't I, I think that's a cop out he He has not developed as a passer. he's not developed as a guy who reads defenses. They certainly have not given him weapons. No question about that. Their offensive line is shaky. no doubt about that. But this goes way beyond that to to absolve Justin Fields of any blame for what they look like as a team, as an offense. What he looks like as a quarterback is absurd. And that's just being a homer. And they should know better. Anybody who watches this, and I like Fields. I was hoping it would work out. I thought he was a really good college quarterback and it would work out. But at the NFL level, you have to be able to make multiple reads. You have to be able to read defenses um you've you've got to be able to make the people around you better you've got to be able to to make up for deficiencies on your offense if you look around the league Patrick Mahomes does it all the time Aaron Rodgers has done it for decades um Brady did it forever no matter what you gave him in terms of a supporting cast he just made it work uh Josh Allen Joe Burrow I mean the list goes on of of guys who um guys who can sort of acclimate their skill set as a quarterback to whatever personnel is around them. And Fields can't do that, certainly not to this point. Uh, Is Bryce Young a better prospect than Justin Fields? Yeah, he is. But listen, there are question marks on him. Size, uh, always playing against inferior competition. But what Young does that... I think the NFL likes to this point, is Young raises the level of play of the people around him. And right now that's the, knock on, that's the knock on fields. He just can't do that at all. And so if what you have to do to be a successful quarterback is be surrounded by nothing but stars, well, good luck. It doesn't work like that. There just aren't that many. How many teams have that? You've got to be able to. You've got to be able to to do more than that. And it, like Dora says, you've got to get him on the move. He isn't a pocket quarterback, but this isn't a league where you can keep the quarterback on the move. You've 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 got to be able to operate out, out of the pocket some. You've you've got to be a versatile offense, a versatile quarterback in this league to um, to be effective. Again, 662-259-8563. If you guys are coming up this weekend, hope everybody stays safe. We have a lot of content up on the site if you're making the drive. Uh, Again, um, Pete's Pigskin Preview. Highly recommend that you watch that. He A lot of uh, Auburn-Georgia film from last week, breaking down what the Tigers do well, what the Tigers do poorly, and they do do some things well. Pete thinks this is going to be a a challenge game for... uh, for Ole Miss if Auburn does a couple of things. So something to keep an eye on. The The line seems to have settled at about 14 and a half, maybe 15 points. Um, Charles, I've kind of addressed that a good bit. Um, hey, who do we have?
6: Hey, it's Philip in Memphis. How are you?
3: Philip? I'm good. How are you?
6: I'm happy. I missed the start of the show, so now i got something to listen to while I'm working tomorrow.
3: Oh, good. Yeah, uh, both Ryan Brown and uh, Ben were really good. I think you'll enjoy that.
6: Well, they always are, so it's uh, it's always one I look forward to. Um, I've kind of been mulling this around in my head, and I figured tonight with you, Brian Solo Dia, good night to bring it up. Um, You've talked about how it's, it's right now, got your different tiers, as you always do in the SEC, but Alabama and Georgia are clearly Tier 1, and then Ole Miss and Kentucky have moved up to kind of the second tier, and there's a few others out there with us, Then you have the drop-off, as you always do. And I was thinking about it, if you kind of go back from now, in 10-year increments, we've been at kind of different stages. Um, And I would wonder what your thoughts would be, and you may need Time to think about this, but I'll just go ahead and pose the question. So you go back 10 years to 2012. Okay. It was the first year after we expanded to 14 teams. Then you go back 10 years before that, we were in the BCS era, and there were 12 teams in the SEC. And you go back 10 years before that to 92, and that was two years after Arkansas and South Carolina joined the league.
3: So, 92 was still when Spurrier was sort of dominating the league, right?
6: Well, I mean, I'm old enough to have been watching it then, but I don't remember if that's when he started or not. I mean, I'm sure he was around, but was he dominating the league in that far back in 92? I mean, didn't Alabama win one of their actual national championships around that time?
3: Yeah, Alabama won in – I guess it was '92. I can't remember. Maybe Spurrier was before that, or I, I, I can't. Man, I'm, I mean, I'm I, that was my time, but
6: yeah, age kind of.
3: Age, kind of and you've th- brought, you brought
6: up Spurrier. And I'm going. I don't even remember now. That that one hadn't even crossed my mind.
3: Maybe Spurrier was after that, and then Tennessee sort of had their period where they couldn't get over Spurrier <laughs> during Peyton Manning, and then T. Martin won a title in '99, '98. 98. Yeah, 98-99. Yeah, he won We're in 98 there. because I went to Arizona and covered his last college game for the press register.
6: Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you just kind of look back in 10-year increments, it is funny how it does ebb and flow over time. Sure. But, you know, but Vanderbilt's always going to be down at the bottom. It, it, Kentucky has actually worked their way up. Ole Miss worked their way up? I mean, because if you went back to 2002, that was – was that after or when we got rid of – that was about Eli's last year, wasn't it?
3: Uh, Eli's last year was 2003, and then Ole Miss fired Cutcliffe after the 2004 season. That's when they hired Ogeron.
6: Yeah, Yeah, I had a a guy I worked with years ago who was on uh, Cutcliffe's last team as a defensive lineman. And he said that you'd go to practice and Spurlock could just run circles around and throw the ball everywhere on the field. And he just, other teams could just scout him so well that it didn't hold up. But he just was amazing in practice. I digress. But I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a nice old thought experiment. If you look at it, you know, in 10 year increments, how much would the, have, would the pecking order have changed over time? There was so much of that time between 92 and then when Saban showed up that Alabama just wasn't at the top. And, when we look at the SEC now, we just want to – just. you think Alabama is the gold standard, but there was so long that they actually weren't.
3: Yeah, well, when I was – I've, so I've talked about this. When I was in, in Alabama for all those years, uh, I covered Auburn for six years as a beat writer. Uh, Auburn won all six of those games. Um,
6: yeah, I mean, Tupperville wore the shirt. And beware of the thumbs.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I should have said when I was doing radio in, in Mobile. Auburn lost – I guess when I covered the beat, Auburn lost the Iron Bowl. I don't know two, three times, but I was I was I did six years of daily radio in Mobile, and Auburn was six and zero in those years against Alabama, which is like impossible to even imagine today, right? That that could happen, and oh, yeah. and, and it happened then. Look, Alabama was was uh was stunningly mediocre as a program when um, oh yeah when. By the end of the Mike Shula era, Shula had one really good year, took Alabama to the Cotton Bowl. I want to say they went 10-2. and But, you know, uh, he had a couple of bad years following that, or, or really average years, I should say. And, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, Saban came in. And so, it, it, you're right, it does beg the question is what's happening in Alabama today. Is it Alabama or is it Saban? And oh, I, I, and, and there's no way to know. There's no way to – I mean, it's, it's mostly I, – I think – listen, I think mostly it's Saban. I think Saban could have gone to – I don't know, name your, name your program. I don't know that he would have had the success that he's had at Alabama, but he would have had incredible success because he's – he's an incredibly successful coach. He knows exactly what yeah. he's doing. You could put him at – I don't know. I mean, he, He's from West Virginia. You could put him at West Virginia, and West Virginia would be a national – factor.
6: Yeah, and I think it was maybe on your uh, McCrady and Siski show on Monday, or maybe it was on G-Pit. It There's one of those two where you made the comment that not only is Saban great at finding amazing talent in players and putting them through a system,
1: it, just
6: year after year, it's obvious that he's great at evaluating talent in coaches. Yeah. And developing them and, and having, you know, you see the success that they all go off. Everybody talks about the Saban tree and how none of them have really come out except for, what, Kirby come out and, and actually beaten him.
1: Uh, Kirby's, Kirby's beaten
3: him. Jim, beat him. Jimbo beat him once, almost beat him a second time yeah. just last week. But, yeah, I mean, not, not too many guys have. His record against former assistants is pretty stellar.
1: Not, yeah,
6: but, but still, it's the fact that these guys can go out from under his tree and start their own programs and work up to where okay this one's actually going to be a threat let's see if this is another one that can do it or the first one that could do it for the longest
3: time yeah it's a good point i mean at some point i mean father time will eventually beat nick saban i, I think and when it does i mean i yeah. guess we'll 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 kind of find out a little bit um a little bit about what happens with alabama i would not want to be the guy that Replaces Nick Saban in Alabama. I'd, I'd I'd want to be the guy that replaces the guy who replaces Nick Saban in Alabama. So there's, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them uh, in the in the aftermath of that because he's had he's had a run that fifty years from now people will still be writing about.
6: Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's reinvented himself so many times. But yeah, don't start making that. that uh, you know, as, as much as I would love on this just to beat Saban again and again, don't start making that father time. You know his undefeated jokes. You made that about Brady for a couple of years, and I think we've finally gotten to the father time and outside influences are beating Tom Brady.
3: He finally got uh, him. Father Brady. time's finally getting to Tom Brady. It took a long time, yeah. but he's getting there.
6: Yeah, and but but Brady's in his 40s. He's got a long life ahead of him. I wouldn't want to make father time jokes about Satan. No, that, I know that, there's some sickos out there. That yeah, probably
3: no, for sure. No, I mean, look, he's. I mean, I, I've 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 had positive encounters with Nick Saban. I've had adversarial encounters with Nick Saban, but there's no question he's – the job that he's done and the the guy that he is, according to so many people, I I think he's – history will judge him quite well.
6: You know, I can tell that I've listened to way too many episodes when you say I've had adversarial uh, conversations with him, and immediately I think about uh, when you were at the game after you – Somebody asked you on your radio show about do you think Jamarcus Russell got paid? Yeah. And you said yes. And Saban probably knew something about it and then he had to have a conversation with you I, immediately. You say that. And I've heard that story so many yeah. times. <laughs> it, it, it just pops right up in the front of my brain.
3: Yeah. That conversation <laughs> happened in Destin after that it happened. I think he's, and looking back on it, I think he was trying to um, kind of establish a bit of a relationship, but things just got weird. So it, it never happened. But yeah. that's okay. Hey, hey thanks that, that for the call. Okay. I
6: mean, look, you're you're in a hell of a lot better place than if you had stayed on the air in Mobile, that's for sure.
3: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um I've I've said that many times that that the day that that happened, I I thought it was the worst thing that could ever have happened to me. It was devastating. Um we didn't know what we would do and and um it turns out looking back on it, and I don't even think this is hindsight. I just think it's true. It was the best thing that ever happened. I mean to to our family probably.
6: Yeah, I mean, before my father died, I used to use your show as an example to him of why sports talk radio that I grew up listening to with him wasn't as what wasn't as good because they're they're all homers and you know and they and they're forced to be homers by the people that own the station and you know you need to find a way to hear the objective side even when Ole Miss sucks even when Houston Nut's doing horrible or when the Hugh Freeze meltdown's going on, it's it's good to hear the objective side of it, and that's what I've kind of based my enjoyment of sports on over these last few years. I mean, I'm in Memphis, and, you know, I love Jeffrey, but he'll come on here and joke about it. It's like, yeah, uh, we're in the middle of the college football season, but Penny's <laughs> recruiting some ninth graders, so we got to talk about that for
5: eight days straight.
3: Yeah, I always was blown away when I would fill in for Memphis radio, and, and everything was was, um, was college basketball. It just... It it blew me away. College basketball all the time, and I like college basketball. I do. I like it. Um, but I I I was like, man, this is how do you build an entire year around this? And and they do to their credit. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd be able to. I I think it's it would be too disingenuous. Oh, did yeah, he get I'm in? Not, I'm not gonna. I'm oh, not he gonna got in his
6: competition, but his his competition does, uh, which was basically the only station most of my early years in town uh growing up, it was the only station that actually did sports talk, and they made it a point to talk about football. But, I mean, it, you would think the way they would talk about it, you think that every SEC team was winning the national championship and then the Tigers were going to win the national championship in football and basketball, the way they talked about stuff. And it was just very formulaic. And once you can see through that kind of stuff, it's very eye-opening to know, okay, I can't even just – Turn it on and listen to it half the time.
3: Philip, thanks for the I mean, call. I wish
6: nothing but the best for our boy Jeffrey.
3: Thank you, Philip.
6: It, 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 you know, it, 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 what you guys do is, uh, especially with all these YouTube shows and, and w- how you've grown it, it it's, it's something that so many of us like. And so anytime any of the haters or the bots come in, just ignore them, except for the ones that are trying to get Brennan's number. Give him give his number.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Philip. Appreciate the call.
6: All
3: right. Thank you. Bye. Here's the Bears scored a touchdown. Are they allowed to do that? Justin Fields getting hit on every throw. To his credit, that's going to stand. That call's going to stand. The Bears uh, up 6-3 to three pending the extra point. 7-16 to go in the, uh, in the third quarter. That was a hell of a throw. Got to give him credit where credit's due. That was, that was incredible. He got hit on every single throw of that possession. Bears lead 7-3 after the Santos PAT. I'll put the phone lines back up. Let's see what Doors Rule says, what do you think has to happen for Ole Miss fans to finally get rid of the WAOM fragile mentality? Like guys so concerned about Kiffin leaving or the past history when it comes to the game Saturday. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure that I completely understand it. I mean, at this point, the whole Kiffin leaving thing is bizarre to me, honestly, because if you look at it objectively, and I think I can, Ole Miss is paying him $7.5 million a year. They're going to pay him more. How much more? I don't know. Nine, nine and a half, ten, whatever. They've allowed him to hire tons of staff, they've done the facility thing that they're working on right now, that the construction is ongoing at the Manning Center. I'm sure it will be incredibly nice when they're finished with it. They had to punt, at least for a little while, on the stadium because of factors that had nothing to do with anything other than the cost of construction and the economy and all of that stuff, things that were completely unforeseeable when they laid out the long-range plan. You 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 can't blame anyone at Ole Miss for that. I mean, they would have... Nostradamus couldn't have couldn't have factored all this stuff in. Um, so you know, and they've made him the brand. They've made his Labrador Retriever the the freaking mascot. For God's sake, you don't see the shark anywhere. I think that's intentional. Um, where's he going to go? That's going to do all of those things for him. What's the list of schools? Are there jobs that are better than Ole Miss? Absolutely. I mean, is Alabama a better job than Ole Miss? Yes. Ohio State, absolutely. There's a list of jobs that are clearly head and shoulders better than Ole Miss. If that upsets anybody, sorry. But it's true. But how many of those jobs today are going to go higher Lane Kiffen? How many of those jobs are open today? None that I can think of. How many of those jobs are going to go higher Lane Kiffen? Look at the last cycle. LSU didn't kick the tires on Lane Kiffen. Florida didn't kick the tires on Lane Kiffen. Two jobs that Pro- Lane Kiffin probably wanted. Um he didn't he didn't get a cent for a sniff from either one of those jobs. And I think you can I think that led to some of what's happened with him. With he looked at Ole Miss and said, Hey, this is the girl that likes me. This is the girl that I'm with. She's not so bad. And he he's begun to put some ties in Oxford, some roots in Oxford. Um, would he leave for an NFL job? I mean, maybe. But that applies to a whole lot of college coaches, guys. There's a lot of college coaches out there that don't like the current landscape of college football, that feel like it's just a a, a, a landscape that's going to burn, lead to total burnout. They look at it and say, I've got to recruit around the clock. I've got to recruit my guys around the clock. I've got to tamper with other rosters around the clock. I've got to constantly be aware of what's going to happen in the portal. Now there's unlimited recruiting. They look at it and say, it's just too much. So if the Carolina Panthers came knocking for Lane Kiffin, would he listen? Yeah, probably. But here's the deal. There are only 32 of those jobs. And right now, the 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 trend in the nfl is not to go hire the hot college coach it's to hire the hot coordinator to handle one side of the ball and yeah i'm sorry i'll i'll put the phone number back up it's to hire a coordinator to handle one side of the ball hire another coordinator to be the other side of the ball that's what the nfl is doing right now is that lane i I don't know i mean i really don't but i don't think so I don't think that's what Lane wants to do. But I could be wrong. I don't know. But the list of college jobs that are going to pay what it will take to get him and that are going to make him the brand is a really small list. Really small. So the whole mentality of... And then look, I'll finish the thought with this. In a hypothetical world where Lane Kiffin is the next head coach at Alabama or Ohio State or Texas, and I'm just making up high-profile jobs that I think he would probably have a hard time turning down. For him to get one of those jobs, he has to win at Ole Miss for a period of time. He has to win big at Ole Miss for a period of time. And if he does that, if he wins big at Ole Miss for a period of time, you go hire the next guy. Because your job is suddenly far more attractive than it was when Lane Kiffin took over. I'm surprised more people can't see it that way. It's the whole supermodel analogy. If you date a supermodel and you're with her for long enough to be hanging out with all of her supermodel friends, when she dumps you, her other supermodel friends are going to at least be interested in you because you were with her. And there's always the possibility that he decides over a period of time that he loves it and wants to stay, I don't know, who knows, don't sweat it, enjoy the time that you've got, you're 17-3 and in your last 20 games, again, there are four programs nationally, four, that can say they're better than that, four, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, and Oklahoma State, they're the only programs who can look down on you right now, over the last 20 games, Four programs. Think about that. It's, it's hey, who do we have?
7: Hey, uh, I'm in Biloxi, Mississippi. Hey, who's this? This is Brittany.
3: Hey, Brittany, what's up?
7: Um, I have a question. Do you think that Levy regrets going to Oklahoma, and do you think that it has slowed down his career progression?
3: Um, I don't know whether he regrets it or not. Um, probably not because he got to sort of reset his clock and he gets time. It's, it's, so if, if there are going to be regrets, it's probably a little early for that. Has it slowed down his career progression? It probably has. Uh, there's a little bit of a rumor out there that Jimbo Fisher is going to, uh, is going to reach out to him and let him be the offensive coordinator at A&M. And if that happens, then it all kind of paid off for him because they'll pay him a fortune. I don't know right. that I don't know that Jeff and Lane were going to be able to coexist a lot longer.
7: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah,
3: you know what I mean. I mean, and it wasn't even just about credit. It was it was Jeff grew up in a coaching family, and he grew up in a very regimented system. And Lane's system, certainly the first two seasons at Ole Miss were not always super regimented. Now they're a lot more regimented this year than they've been in the past, but in twenty twenty and to some extent in twenty twenty one, it was a little bit of according to a lot of people inside the building, it was sort of fly by the seat of your pants. And um I don't I don't know that he felt like he could really exist in that environment. And that's not a knock on Lane or Jeff. It's just they were just really different people
7: yeah i th- I think maybe uh Lane for the first year's fly by the seat, but he had more established quarterback this year with the quarterback battle. You have to go to a more regimented system to to make that decision i mean do you yeah, I am think, I wrong in that?
3: No, I think that's true. And then I think there was just stuff in Lane's personal life when he first got here. And I, I think he's basically addressed that too, right? That he's changed a lot. I mean, you can, you can look at Lane Kiffin physically, and you can listen to him talk, and you can tell that he's a really different person today than he was 24 months ago. I mean, he's had a bit of, he's had a, an epiphany, for lack of a better word.
7: Right, and, and, so, and this is like I think my third time speaking to you. I spoke to you. Three years ago when I lived in Monterey, California, and then I spoke to you right after Lane Kiffin got hired, and we always usually talk about how we're both Cubs fans.
3: Yeah. yeah. How was my, what was it like to live in Monterey, by the way? Because I love I that area.
7: Oh, it was beautiful. Beautiful to live in. It's way too expensive to actually yeah. you know, stay there long term unless you have like a, a, a position with that sort of salary range. But being on the beach, being able to go to Big Sur... You know, all of that stuff is great. You're within a decent driving distance from San Francisco and L.A. If you want to drive the five hours down there, you can. Or you can take a short hour and a half plane trip down there to take the kids to Disneyland. But the aquarium is fantastic there. I don't think you're really going to find a better aquarium in the United States other than Monterey. I mean, half of it is the Pacific Ocean.
3: Yeah, I've been past that uh, aquarium a few times. And we, we never went into it. I, I always regret not going to it because I've, I've heard it was, like, super cool. We just never really had time to do it. We should have made the time.
7: Yeah, it is, they have a whole, um, like, blacklight jellyfish area where you can see all the neon jellyfish. And then they have a portion where um, it looks like the normal aquarium, like, big glass tank. But it's actually uh, the Pacific Ocean. So you're seeing all of the natural sea life of the Pacific Ocean.
3: So what do you think our Cubs are going to do this offseason?
7: Uh, well, what they need to do is make some improvements. Um, I think they're
3: going to spend money. Healthy. I think they're going to spend money. Who, who, who would you like to see them? If, you could, if they could sign one person, who would you have, have them sign?
7: I, I don't even know. I haven't followed them as closely this year as I did last year. Um, I've got – I had a new baby. So I've been oh, congratulations. New baby. Boy, or girl. So, and you know, Ole Miss baseball national championship. My husband almost threw it there. So that was. We focused more on Ole Miss baseball. Sure. Towards the beginning, versus That's a,
3: sure, the absolutely. Cuffs. yeah, absolutely. And it's
7: painful right now to watch the Bears. Like I. I watch it, but it hurts.
3: Yeah, it's it hurts. It's kind of nauseating. It's kind of tough. It yeah. is. It
7: just. <laughs> you want them to get better. You hope that they get better every single year and you have high hopes. You go into the season with high hopes and then the season starts and you're like, well, here we go again.
3: Well, Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate it very much.
7: Thank you. Have a great night.
3: You too. Bye. Bye. All right. I'll put the phone line back up if I can find it. Yeah, what's going on in the uh, West Virginia Baylor game? Oh wow, that's a bad pick. You can't you can't roll to your right like that and then throw across your body into traffic. That's always going to end just like that. Oh, that's a bad pick. I don't even know what the score is. I can't keep up with four things at once. I'm I can't keep up with one thing at once. Too much. Uh, phone lines open. Last little bit here. Six six two two five nine six three. Hey, who do we have? Yes, sir. Hey, who do we have?
8: Uh, Taylor hey. from Wiggins.
3: Hey, Taylor, what's up?
8: Uh, i was just going to ask uh, Neil if he's familiar with Hafeli Souza. Uh, graduating 2014, and she's like the best soccer player to come out of the SEC. And also, what's his uh, dream uh, wide receiver for Neil?
3: Well, you, you are talking to Neil. Who, ask me your questions again. What was that?
8: Oh, I'm sorry, man. I was gonna see if you're familiar with Hafeli uh, Souza. I graduated in 2014, and she's a soccer player uh, who played for the, the the girls' soccer team. And she's like, she plays for the national team for uh, Brazil, and she also plays for Arsenal FC.
3: Oh yeah, I re- for
8: the women's team.
3: I remember her. Yeah, it was ways yeah. back. Is she still playing professionally?
8: Yes, sir, she is. Yeah, we graduated together in civil engineering, and she's uh, she's killing it. I just didn't know if you were familiar with her. Oh
3: no, that's yeah. I remember when she played um, the. I remember how Matt Mott used to talk about her, but I, I did not realize that she was still playing. Good for her. And what was your other question? Uh,
8: just in Lane Kevin's offense today, what wide receivers that we've seen in the past ten years who do you think would thrive the best under Lane Kiffin? Would it be Moncrief? Would it be AJ? Would it be Laquan? You know, I just was curious who you think would thrive in his offensive scheme nowadays.
3: Oh, all of those guys would thrive because he—that's what he does well—is he comes, he, he schemes ways to get his best players the football. In uh, in space or in places where they can make plays, I mean that's a cop out answer, but it's the truth. All of those guys would, I mean, probably he probably would have had the most success with AJ, but uh, all of those sure. guys, all of those guys would have been super successful. I mean, he would have he yes, would have, he would have turned DK Metcalf into an absolute weapon.
8: I think the same thing, man. And I, I just think about the Auburn game, you know, Auburn this weekend. I just think about you know the tragedy of Laquan, you know, at home and then just think about what he would have done with, with Laquan this year and, and say. But I want to keep your time, man. I'm glad you know about Hafeli. She was an outstanding athlete. She was a uh, stellar man. She was a, one of the brightest in our class. So I'm glad you're familiar with it, man. That's awesome.
3: Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate it.
8: Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: Baylor gets the field goal after that horrible uh, throw. 40-40, to 40, a minute 40 to go in Morgantown. Hell of a game there. Bears lead the uh Commanders heading to the fourth quarter 7 to 3. I'm not sure exactly who's got the ball or where. It's uh it's the Commanders ball. I still want to call them the Redskins. I can't help it. It's Commanders ball starting the fourth quarter. 3rd and goal. I don't know where it is. third and goal right outside the 10 so it's not necessarily two down territory here batted in the air they'll have to kick a field goal 7 to uh 3 they'll have to kick a field goal on fourth and goal from the 10 what would lane have done with Dawson Knox so he would have he he would have turned Dawson into a real weapon i mean the the job they do with tight ends in, in lane's offense is remarkable Speaking of, it'll be interesting to see what happens Saturday with uh, no Michael Trigg. They've, I know Trigg hasn't been super productive, but they've used him a ton, so it'll be interesting to see what the offense looks like without that type of tight end threat in the offense. Washington uh, kicks a field goal 7-6 to six now with 14.51 left in Chicago. All right, I'm going to kind of put up a last call here. Uh, if anybody wants to call, I'll take one or two more, and then we'll we'll call it a night. Again, thanks to uh, Ben Mintz. Thanks to Ryan Brown for their time today. Chase will be back on uh, Saturday afternoon with the MPW Digital Postgame Show. And um, I'll call into that probably in the latter part of the show. He'll have Jeffrey and Brian and me, and he'll take your calls as well on uh, on the show. Hey, who's this? Hey, I'll
9: be the, the last call. This is Mark.
3: Hey, Mark. What's up, man?
9: What's going on, man?
3: Oh, uh, just usual big delights.
9: Uh, big, big weekend this weekend.
3: Yeah. What's everybody saying in, in, in uh, Knoxville?
9: Tennessee fans are really feeling themselves, man. They're just they're really feeling themselves. Oh, they they, they think, so bad. They think and they're getting this one. It ain't gonna go well.
3: That's what I think too. I don't. I don't think, I think they're going to get it. I, I just that. I. I it just feels like a trap. But um. I mean, I. To their credit, I mean, that place is going to be crazy. It's going to be absolutely nuts. And if they can stay in it and make it a late game, that crowd's going to be a factor.
9: I'm gonna. I'm gonna probably be watching it from a bar in Cleveland. I'm going to Game Three of the. PLDF. I was that 15 inning game you watched. I was there for five hours.
3: That was fantastic. I, I, I told, I guess you heard me say it earlier in the week. I turned it on on my computer at uh, whatever they call the stadium in, in Nashville now. I'll just call it Vanderbilt Stadium. Um, and I just had it on kind of in the background and I started getting into it to the point where I had to make myself put it away because I was missing plays in the Ole Miss game because that game was so dramatic. The play Ramirez made at third base in the 12th inning was yeah. just wild.
9: He's a stud. He's, a, he's a beast. Like, and, yeah, that was the most – you're just so tense the entire game. I mean, it was wild.
3: And the Rays pitched out of a bases loaded, nobody out situation. I mean, that was – it was just – it was a great game. It really was. It was a, a classic baseball game.
9: And they got the they hit the homer off Kluber. I felt kind of bad, but he's made a hundred million bucks throwing a baseball, so I guess I don't feel that bad.
3: <laughs> wasn't it, Wasn't the first time that Kluber's lost a deciding game in that stadium? Yeah,
9: he kind of. I think he was kind of <laughs> 2016, 2017 took a lot out of that guy. Of course, he was great for a long time, but like that, throw three games in the World Series. There was there's been nobody else, as you recall. I remember. Anyways, and then, uh, but game one the other night, I don't know if you saw it. Like, they didn't rate to win that one. But what do you think about
3: the Yankees? Are really good?
9: This isn't something for an old Miss podcast. I'll ask this question real quick. You Contral gave you five innings. You have the best bullpen in the league. Why would you turn the lineup over a third time when you didn't have to? You I could see that Rizzo home run coming from a mile away.
3: Yeah, but he, he was he through. was pretty dialed in on Quantrill. I mean, he was like watching pitches, doing that Rizzo thing and that he's that he does from following his career all these years. I sort of know when he's pretty dialed in and you could tell it. And if I knew it, Terry Francona should have known it. Probably did know it. I mean, he look, he was gambling. It was what was it two yeah. to one at the time? He was behind yeah. an inning. He probably didn't want to use up his bullpen in a game where he trailed by a run. He probably had it been two to one, right. Cleveland, it would have been a different deal. He was rolling the dice. Look, like his team. Here's the problem with that Saturday game is that that took a lot out of his team. And the the Yankees are super rested. And he knows to win the series, he's got to preserve his bullpen. He's got to be. He's got to be very conservative. At least early in the in the series, with the way that he uses his pen, he was gambling. I mean, he, he was he was sitting on sixteen at blackjack, and he said, "Hit me."
9: Yeah, they they didn't wait to win that one, but and it kind of stinks that there was no, there's a there was a gap because now they can't throw Bieber Monday if they were to need him. Now they definitely can't because it's a postponement. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I'm I'm happy with. I mean, they've it's been remarkable. He, he's the, he's manager of the year has to be.
3: He probably Absolutely. should be, and they have a good team, a really good young organization. They always have. They've always done it well. They're. they're I. I just think this Yankee team is really good. I mean, it should be with that payroll. It. It. it and. But they, it's a really good unlikable. Yankee team.
9: Like just, they're pretty good. Like they're not hate. I don't hate them.
3: No, it's hard to have. I, was, I talked about that this morning. I mean, it's hard to hate Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo, um, the shortstop the hyphenated name I can't think of right now. Um, Gliber Torres.
9: I mean, you can hate Josh Donaldson. Yeah, you can hate Donaldson. He's kind of a jerk. Kind
3: of yeah, but, you but, know, like Garrett yeah. Cole. No one hates Garrett Cole. Um, they, they've got a, you know, they, they, they're they – Aaron Boone's funny. Uh, I enjoy kind of watching him manage. Um, they're, they're good. They're really good. They They have a – John Carlos Stanton. I mean that that is that is such a tough lineup to navigate, especially the top part of it, uh, inning after inning. It just wear you out. So I understood what Frank Cona was trying to do. He was just trying to borrow some time.
9: Yeah, I agree. All right, man. Have a good weekend. You too, want, Mark. Enjoy the want?
3: game in Cleveland. Have a have a beer for me. I will, buddy. All right. All right. We will. Uh, we'll wrap it up there appreciate everybody being with us um 927 here as we finish up the uh commanders and bears bears just punted commanders take over first and ten at their own 33 with 10 34 to go in cleveland again thanks to uh Ben Mintz, to Ryan Brown thanks to all of you for hanging in the stream putting up with me as uh we get through a uh, another wrap up a long day at mpw digital please enjoy the content we would appreciate it if you do uh leave a comment leave a rating Leave a thumbs up, leave a like, hit the subscribe button, all of those things. Again, Ole Miss and Auburn at Vault hemingway Saturday morning at 11. The game's on ESPN. We'll have the post-game show at MPW Digital pretty much immediately after it's over. Jeffrey Wright will call in, so will Brian Rippey. I will as well from Vault hemingway We'll have coverage at rebelgrove.com. Hope you guys uh, have a great weekend. If you're driving to Oxford or wherever, be safe. And we'll talk to you again on Monday with the Oxford Exxon podcast as we start to turn the page from Auburn to uh, Ole Miss at LSU next Saturday, 2.30 on CBS. Until then, I'm Neil McCready. Take care.
10: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?